Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew, Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up, what up? And on tonight's very special episode of the Posting and Toasting Show, we have on, I think this is his first time on, or it's his second, no, second. time. It's oh, second. It's second time. Nah, I'm losing track. How did you already fuck this up? Jesus. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's life. Um, that's life here in these, uh, in these little oh, streets. In um, <laughs> so we have on the Gobble Gobbler. James Marcita himself. Yeah, that's me. I'm the gobble, Gobbagool Gobbler. Thank you. Yeah, that's all, that's all I'm uh, giving you as. I mean, like, sure, you uh, work for an organization that does basketball games, and every now and then you scribble something on posting and toasting, but, I mean, for the most part, you're the Gobbagool Gobbler. Yeah. Also, the author of my favorite Fizdale tweet. Oh, yes. He did, it was the author of the, uh, the, the best mm. tweet of the year. So Can you read it to me? I like when people read my work back to me. Sure. Uh, this was in response. <laughs> the best part is it's a reply. Uh, it's a reply. <laughs> it's a to, Macri. Yeah, a good our, our our good friend John Macri, who said on October 26th. I have no idea what game this is. <laughs> what one guy we may be surprising we maybe surprisingly haven't seen, especially with the Knicks three of fifteen from deep. Wade Ellington. James's response. It's not that surprising when you consider the fact that David Fisdale sucks my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic me. Oh, that's good stuff. That's Thank a great tweet. And um, I appreciated um, friend of the show, Don Bolo, his, uh, his response to <laughs> had a fish gift. <laughs> what the joke looks like. Uh, Don, I love you. You're, like, uh, like, you're a hero. Look. You know, I, I love to give unjust praise as much as the next guy. So, yeah, like, Fisdale occasionally stumbles ass backwards into a correct coaching decision. But the reason that tweet is so beautiful and, and hilarious is because it's so deeply, deeply true. He sucks. He's always going to suck. Uh, he's an idiot for multiple reasons. And I know this for 100% fact, even though I've never worked for an NBA organization, because I have eyeballs. <laughs> and basketball <laughs> is not complicated. And if you think it is, if you think basketball is too complicated to understand without having worked for an NBA organization, your intellect is so deficient that I do a disservice to myself by engaging with you. Like, what a waste of time, which is my most precious commodity. If you think that I cannot understand what's going on on a basketball court. There are so many things that I don't know. Sorry, I just had to get this off my chest really quick. Oh, no, go ahead. Keep going. We're have a productive podcast. There are so many things that I don't know. I love not knowing shit. I'm fucking Socrates or Plato. Whichever one said, all I know is that I don't know anything you know. It's one of those. All I know is win, 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 no matter what. (laughs) Socrates? Yeah. Oh, God. Um... But, yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of shit I don't know. Basketball is not that complicated. So that, that's, you know, the long and short of it. Uh, I was really building up to a Oscar-worthy performance until Schwinn cut me off at the knees there. But <laughs> for that terrible joke. Thanks, Schwinn. You really it's a, it's a big part up. of what we – If this was jazz, which basketball is, you just <laughs> flew the tuba in the middle of my delicate, like, reed solo. You know, I just – I have I'm, – I'm, <clears throat> like I'm raw at the podcasting game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm – I'm still working on the clay, you know. That's true. You do. You have so much clay, Schwinn. But as people <laughs> told you, sometimes you just don't know when to butt out, you know, and let, let other people shine. Yeah, so, uh, so, speaking of shining, um, the Knicks didn't do that this uh, tonight. Uh, big loss against the. I don't know. Maybe big loss. Maybe it's not a big loss. It was a loss to the Brooklyn Nets. This is the biggest game in the franchise's history. Okay, that's fair. And it was the biggest <laughs> loss in franchise history. 
Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had like 69 points on 69 free throw attempts, which was a complete joke. I didn't even understand how he, how with all the foul calls, they were just terrible officiating left and right. Um, and the Knicks didn't play well because they, they decided to start with Kevin Knox at shooting guard. And he already can't guard um, anyone on the court, let alone, you know, smaller, faster defenders, uh, players, and, you know. They were predictably horrible in the first quarter. Then they went on a run when he was pulled off, and then he played to his natural position. They were playing better. Then they reverted back to him to close the quarter, and the Nets still won on a run. And that was pretty much, you know, a good amount of the uh, the game pretty much was lost, I would say, in the uh, the first half. Just, like, terrible basketball, terrible coaching. And we're basically almost, like, repeating what we did last week on the show with uh, Schmelk. We're just like, this is that guy. He just, it's not that good. Can I say one thing about the Knox? About the Knox start? Um, yeah, go ahead. The, the it, this ties into I don't understand when, why, and how players are held accountable for anything. He rightfully, I think, Knox the past couple games had his minutes cut because the defense had been pretty bad. Um, some of the shot selection wasn't great, although he made some nice passes. But so there, you know, he, he gets his minutes cut two games in a row, and it's like, oh, guess what? Now you're starting out of position because was he a dog in practice? Like, <laughs> I don't, what the fuck? Why not just throw Wayne Ellington we have or, or Dotson in there? Like, why did they have to – what did he do in between two stinkers of a game in a row? I like what Knox has done this year. Like, this isn't even, like, shit on Knox hour. But, like, I don't understand how this was – and then did you see the tweet that was, like, he just found out at 2 o'clock today? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Eastern time that he was starting? Like, what the fuck's going on over there? And, and like, here's the thing is – we have three healthy shooting guards on the roster right now, even without R.J. Barrett, who is actually not a shooting guard. Um, he's actually a small forward. But uh, without R.J. Barrett, we have, three, we have three healthy shooting guards. And one of them got DNP today. Rest in peace, I so-so. Um, the other <laughs> That's one... That's so satisfying. I forgot about that. That made me feel good. <laughs> just hearing you say that. Uh, and then Ellington and Dotson, who actually, like... I mean, Ellington takes some of the fucking craziest shots ever, but whatever. Like, it's fine. I can live with it because he's actually a shooting guard. And Dotson is actually a shooting guard. And, like, maybe just play one of those and then bring Knox off the bench because that would be very normal. Like, I don't – I just don't see how the move was what he chose to do. Like, there's no logic to that at all. And – yeah, I just I, – I don't even know what to, like I, – I, there's nothing to say. There's really nothing to say about it because it's just stupid. Like, there's no defense for it. I don't want to hear anybody tell me that, like, you know, uh, the roster isn't perfect. Who gives a shit if the roster yeah. isn't perfect? Start a shooting guard at shooting guard. Yeah. It, it, it didn't make shooting guard. It didn't make sense conceptually, and he didn't earn it. So, like, why are you doing it? What? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, and like you know, the, the thing is too with Fizz or and with the Knox, like you know, you you uh, you mentioned you know he hasn't been playing as much the last couple of games. I actually thought the last game against the Spurs, like yes, I, I think somebody somebody drew drove past him in the first half. Like I think it was Derek White that it drove past him, and like yeah, it wasn't great defense, but like he actually threw a few really good passes. 
like in a, in pick and roll, he set up Mitch yeah. for a dunk. Like he threw a cross court pass to the corner for a three. Like he made some nice passes, and he did the same thing today. And it's like I just don't understand DNPing him in the second half of the last game when he was like one of the few people that showed any kind of like you know energy or effort to like do anything against the Spurs in that first half. Um, I didn't understand that. I really didn't understand anything about his minutes today because I, I swear he played like 12 minutes in the first half and then he played, you know, the first few minutes of the second half in that stupid lineup that predictably sucked and like, guess what? It sucked again, really, except for the fact that Marcus Morris was like on fire from three. Um, I just would be this Julius Randle time, baby. Once Morris gets cooking, <laughs> got to drop those ISOs. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter. If you look at the box score, you think Julius Randle played a good game. That's what's so infuriating about this. Like, I wish he would just be capable of having a terrible box score, like completely. But today he like he put up 15 points on 10 shots. He had eight rebounds. He had four assists. It's only two turnovers. But I swear to God, like th- there is no stat that measures like I, he had one possession where Frank brought the ball up, swung it to him. He's wide open from three, okay? I, he doesn't want to take the three. That's fine. Okay, fine. I, I get it. Like, he's not one of these guys that's necessarily comfortable with, you know, every three isn't one he's going to take, right? I, I get that. I'm, I'm fine with that. But then, like, instead of just, like, he, he never just keeps the offense moving. He doesn't just keep the ball moving. Then he has to take the ball. He has to dribble. He has to size up the defense. He size up the defense, and... Then he drives and, like, takes some ridiculous fadeaway baseline 10-footer with, like, half the shot clock left. Like, that's a terrible shot. That's a terrible shot, and it should be it should warrant an immediate benching. And it's not like this is like, oh, he just did it this, this. He does How many times does he do that every fucking game? How many times does he do that against the Spurs? Like, how many times does he take terrible shots? Not even just terrible shots, but shots that just kill the entire flow of the offense, and, like, I've been, like, we've all played pickup. You play with, you've played with guys that take those shots, and, like, what is, what is just, like, your human instinct? You want to stop playing. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you like, don't, fuck this, don't, I'm all, you don't run back on defense. You don't run back on defense. Next time you get the ball, you're just like, fuck it, I'm just going to shoot, like. No, but that's, that's a great point. Like, they don't, like, they need a stat for, like, how many decisions you make that you want to bench the guy immediately for because they're so egregiously stupid and offensive to all the other guys who dedicate their entire lives to the sport that you dishonor by, like, doing this dumb shit. Um, it, like, and he does it – I think he deserved to be yanked four or five times for uh, really poor decisions, selfish decisions. I would have benched him. I would have benched him in the last game, and I would have had him come off the bench in this game because of his performance in the last game. Like he that, is not held accountable. Like he's not. Like no, I guess. I guess they, I don't know what the fuck they have fist for to ex- explain stuff or like who's telling them you can't bench him or what the fuck. But you know, it, there is. I don't know what he has to do. Do you guys have a guess as to like what could he do that would make them bench him for poor nothing. play? Is there okay. anything? No, no there's absolutely nothing. There was a play in the first quarter where he grabbed the rebound. He you know strolled up the court. He asked Frank to set a screen for him. Frank sets the screen. He takes forever to take a three-point shot, which was semi-contested by, like, Prince. He completely airballs it or whatever. It was just, like, it was early in the clock. It was a terrible possession. The Knicks eventually call a timeout. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe Fizdale is actually going to, like, hold him accountable. And instead he just took out, like, Morris and someone else and just kept Randall in the game. And it's, <laughs> it just 
like, what is happening? Like, he just, there's no, I don't think there's anything Randall can do. Like, if Randall's just going to stroll up the court, jack up a three and not pass the ball and airball it, <laughs> like, it, like, I don't, there's really nothing he can do because he's terrible on defense. He doesn't get benched for that. He kills possessions. He doesn't get benched for that. Like, other than him maybe being getting sick or injured, there's nothing that's going to stop him from playing. Yeah, I mean, what's worse, like, I can, like, I can, like, for example, Knox is terrible on defense, right? But, like, one, yes, he's, because he's a second-year player, I probably have a bit more patience with him. But, like, I genuinely think he's, like, trying. He just sucks, okay? Like, he just sucks. And that I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying, like, he actually, like, when I'm watching him stuck on defense, I'm not like, well, he's just not trying, you know? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, he doesn't actually, like, he just keeps making the same mistakes over and over again, which is probably related to coaching, by the way, probably related to coaching. Um, oh, you mean, like, letting the guy go baseline every single time? Yeah, like that. Uh, <laughs> like, not closing out on shooters to the appropriate space. Like, all that shit. But, yeah, so, like, like okay, I, but I can, I'm, like, oh, I'm understand. I'm, like, somewhat sympathetic to that, right? Because I'm, like, all right, he's trying. Like, you can work with this. Like, there's clay there, you know? There's clay that can be molded. You just put uh, your hands in. Get dirty. <laughs> with With Randall, it's, like, there are so many possessions where he doesn't even, he's not even trying. He's not even trying to, like, make the right play or... Lift his hands up? Lift or, your fucking hands up, Julius Randall. I know you're not going to jump to try to block a shot, but put your hand in it. <laughs> yeah, like, he, oh, my he, God. So he, had a, he had one play. I mean, I haven't gone back and watched that Spurs game yet. Maybe I will tomorrow and, like, clip some plays of him just, like, being god-awful on defense. But he had one where he... I think even Breen and Clyde commented on it. Like he just watched the guy drive, and I, he actually missed the layup. It was it was um, what's it? It was Derek White. Who, by the way, I have no idea how that guy was good last year because he looked fucking terrible against us. Um, yeah, he was. He looked awful, but he's somehow a solid player still. But like, yeah, it's a one game sample, at least yeah. for me. But um, but like yeah, like he just he's he's like he's on the weak side. So the guy's right. He's like obviously has to be the one to rotate, and he just stands there and watches. And I'm like having fucking Ennis Cantor flashbacks. I'm like Jesus, like yeah, his help he, defense is atrocious. Yeah. It's I, I had no idea it was this bad. Like just never does the right thing. I yeah, it wasn't that bad though. The problem I think a lot of it also like it comes down to like a lot of it is coming down to coaching too. It's just the lack of accountability, the lack of putting him in any sort of position. Like, Fisdale is, like, the worst possible coach for Julius Randle. Yeah, and, like, like, and, and when it, yeah, sorry, just, like, when you're talking about accountability, the big one with him, the one that drives me fucking bananas, he will call a switch for no reason. For no reason he'll call switches all the time. Like, he had, he had one today where Dinwiddie was just, like, kind of fake using a screen, but it was, like, off the ball, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like... Um, and, like, Frank is totally right behind him, and, and Randall's like, no, 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 switch. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you fucking suck on defense. I don't want you ever near the guy that put up, what, what was it, 30 fucking points tonight? Like, and was just cutting you up off, like, no, I don't want you defending him if we can avoid it. And he isn't trying to avoid it. He's trying to make it happen. Like, there's no... <laughs> Like, this is a good point. Like, well, people talk so much about sorry to cut you off. But people talk so much about like how bad the offense has been, but the defensive scheming has been really poor. Uh, like, uh, you know, I, I 
I feel like most of our guys are much better in, for instance, like drop and trail coverage in pick and roll, but they almost never do that. You saw Ellington do it a very little bit. They occasionally let Frank do it. But they're switching all the time, and, you know, they're meanwhile they're draining threes or they're trapping with, like, whoever their two biggest defenders are at the time at the three-point line. So whoever can, like, just sneak back door for the, you know, wide-open layup. It's just – I don't understand what they're doing schematically. It doesn't well, seem – like you don't know because they're changing it pretty much every third game, right? They right. switch it up consistently. First it was drop coverage, then it was high pressing, then it was, all right, we're going to do a combination of both. Then it's, all right, no one's going to switch. All right, everyone's going to switch. We're going to run a 3-2 zone, and then we're going to do that against the Spurs when LaMarcus Aldridge is in the game because that – At the five. That's at the five, which is, you know, <laughs> let, where everyone knows where you don't want LaMarcus Aldridge is in the middle of the court, and what do they do? They run a zone, and they just give the ball to LaMarcus, and he just cuts them up, and it's like, oh – it's just really did, bad. That's did, did you did you watch like I watched some of those possessions? Not only were they running a zone, but like you know you you're, you're usually going to run like a two three zone or a one three one zone, right? It looked or like a box and one or something like that. It looked like we were running a three two zone. They did. It was a three two zone. It wasn't even it, two three. It was a three two zone, and it's the easiest one to beat when you have someone as good as Lamarcus Aldridge camping out in the middle. It's it's one. Of, it was like this stupidest zone to run against the Spurs. Like, you shouldn't be running zone against the Spurs anyway because they're way too smart and they move off the ball and they pass really well. So, like, that's already stupid. So, like, then, like, not only that, you're doing that when Aldridge is at the five. Like, it was just the dumbest zone against the worst possible team. And it's, like, that right there should have been, like, that's like a fireable offense right there. Like, then even a high school coach is that stupid. So, the last two games to me, I've... I I gave him the benefit of the doubt because I saw a little bit of improvement. But, like, I'm convinced now after that Spurs game and after this game that, like, anytime he he we start doing things that make sense or having rotations that make sense or, like, running more pick and roll and stuff like that, I'm convinced it has nothing. It's just, like, uh, it's just a, a thing that happened. It, it is not because, like, he tactically decided something and it was trying to exploit, like, a mismatch or, or optimize. It's, it's just a thing that happens within the flow of the game. It has nothing to do with him. Because, like, we didn't, did we, uh, we, we don't even run pick and, we didn't run pick and roll today. And, like, if you want to tell me that, oh, well, they just go under on Frank because you can't shoot, like, okay, yes, I, I, I totally get that. But, like, here's the thing that's crazy about pick and roll is, like, you don't actually just have to run high pick and roll. You can like <laughs> pick and rolls. You, you can do all kinds of things with pick and rolls. They're, it's really cool. What you have uh, to do, though, is run your entire offense through Julius Randle at all costs. Our <laughs> worst offensive. He has sub-Michael Beasley intelligence on offense, and we're making him make a thousand decisions per play on offense? Like, what the fuck are they doing? And and Beasley was, like, actually weirdly efficient on those kind of, like, possessions. Like, he'd still turn the ball over a ton, but he would, like, the shots he was getting up, he was actually like, good at hitting for whatever reason. I mean, uh, I, I hate Julius Randle, but he's not this bad. He's just being no, so yeah. grossly misused. I mean, he also is like an idiot. Like, I want to be clear. Like, I think he's an idiot, and I kind of I, I do despise him. But he's being put in the worst possible position for himself. Also, I hate his face energy. Bad face energy. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's just been just he constantly slacks off. But I'll say really, this: he looks like he doesn't want to be corrected by Fizdale. I'll say that. I don't think he's making it easy on them. He's uh, sensitive. He's very sensitive. He like, seems like it. Yeah. In, I remember in Los Angeles, um, there was like this big thing because he started off his so his third year, but technically his second year because you know how like 
the first year doesn't count because he like broke his leg or whatever. Um, like so basically whatever his third year, he uh, would break his leg on the first play. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so like in the third year, he started off as the starting four or five or whatever it was, and like he initially was doing really well on defense, and then he started dipping. So then uh, Luke like moved him to the bench. Okay, and there was like this whole thing that entire year and like the the next year or whatever that he was on in LA where like there were all, there was always like these passive aggressive comments of like I'm just you know I just got to do what I got to do and like I got to you know I got to make the most of my situation like he was trying to act like there was no reason at all like there's no reason at all you know he's the kind of guy yeah, that yeah, you bench, yeah. when you bench him he like he thinks he doesn't he doesn't even acknowledge that he did something wrong, which is the only justification for why you would be playing like the way he is and feel zero remorse and make zero changes to how you're playing. Um, I wish I could give everyone on the Knicks his confidence. Yeah, like, like the thing is, with, and this is a little infuriates me about Marcus Moore, or not with Marcus Morris, but how Fizdale's handling Marcus Morris. Like, I am a thousand percent confident, thousand percent confident that if you, that if Fizz was like, like, Bench Morris for making two stupid plays in a row. Morris would like, oh, he would own it. Like he would own it, and he would be like, like as long as you told him, like why you like, like you missed this fucking rotation. Like yes, like against the Spurs, he, uh, I think it was Derek White again, shittiest, shittiest, weirdly <laughs> somewhat kind of good game ever. Um, he took like he he got switched on to Morris, and then he ended up taking this like really shitty like ten foot kind of hook shot thing from the baseline. That, like, missed front rim, right? So, like, Morris is, he, he's in front of him. He should easily grab it. He doesn't move at all to the ball. And, like, and, and so uh, White just gets around him and gets the offensive rebound, like, easily. And as soon as that play happens, it's like, that's a, like, to me, that's an unacceptable, considering the fact that you already were down, what, 26, whatever it was at that point in the game, and you had played, like, the most lifeless first half ever. You know, that, to me, is a play where, like, as soon as that happens, you bench him, or you call a timeout, and you get on his ass. And it's like, not seeing that ever happen, even to a player like Morris, who, again, I think, like, he's been on winning teams. I, I'm pretty sure on winning teams, like, there's a level of accountability. And <clears throat> he would accept that. And it's like, and even Fizz has talked about it, right? He's always like, oh, he's the best leader I've ever had. He, he's always willing to listen to criticism, and he never never blame, he never points fingers at others. And it's like, maybe he should point fingers at others, like fucking Julius Randle. But, uh... No, yeah, Morris would, like, he might curse Fizz out that second, and then he'd bring him, like, flowers, like, the next day, or at 3 in the morning when he's texting yeah. him. Yeah, I, yeah, well, I just I just think he would be, like, he would get, like, he would he would get over it. Like, he wouldn't be pissy. About, I don't think it would be, like, a, a long-term thing that he'd be pissy about. And I say that also because last year in Boston, like, him and Jalen Brown had, like, a couple of, like, beefs or whatever during games. But, like, I remember when, like, when we played Boston, like, they were, like, they dapped each other up. Like, they were cool, you know? Yeah. And all those young guys in Boston, like, like on the record, off the record, when we played them, like, you can tell, like, they really, like, love playing with them. You can see all the young guys on our team fucking love Marcus Morris, right? I don't think any of the young guys on our team love Julius Randle. I'm actually willing to bet they all fucking hate him. Um, and it's like, yeah, I get that, because it's just, it's fucking asinine how we're using him and it's asinine that he's not being held accountable, and whosoever decision that is deserves to be fired because he is not a player that you build around. He's a player you maybe build with. Well, that's what, so I'm, I, I worry that, like, 
we've talked about a bunch you guys have on your show. I think a lot of Knicks fans have that, like, all right, we know that Perry and to a lesser extent Mills have this, like, baseline of not being completely idiotic by, you know, properly valuing first-round picks, for instance, and maintaining financial flexibility. But I am really worried about the entire organization's ability to just, like, identify, like, and evaluate what players are good at and how they should be used because it seems it would it seems odd to me that this decision to use Randall wouldn't be top down or like how they're using him as this like fulcrum of the offense you know everything's got to run through him I know he's your high priced addition but he doesn't have to be used the way he's being used even if that's true right so like I, that kind of thing worries me I'm not sure they know what's in front of their faces when it comes to that sort of thing like I, I'm not. Sure, they've done an okay job drafting, but, like, how do they evaluate guys in the league? Some of these questionable, you know, the Moutier and the Elf of it all when it comes to Perry and, like, thinking these guys might be worth something when they're total garbage. Like, I, that's what <laughs> kind of worries me. Because, like, can Fizz really be going rogue with what this guy's role is? Like, that seems to me a very fundamental piece of, like, how you build a team. Like, we need this guy to be our lead offensive guy. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No. Go ahead, Drew. Oh, yeah, no, it's just, it's really baffling. Because, yeah, it definitely does seem like a front office issue for that sort of aspect. I'm not just, like, identifying, because I think in a vacuum, just or just in general, like, signing Julius Randle made sense to me, at least, right? The idea of, and then how you would use him in the offense, and then they didn't use him like that in the in currently right now with it. And it's really bizarre that they're, like, this is kind of the focus of it, and I'm just kind of hoping that the, um, at least they maybe, like, learn from their mistakes and just, like, you know, during the season, like, think of, like, really letting go Phil, not Phil, um, Fizz, and, like, trading, like, Randall, like, once December 15 hits, because, I don't know, like, they need to start, like, saving themselves and just kind of cutting losses pretty easily, because that's, that's what they need to do, I think, just moving forward. It's, like, that's the most logical that to me is the most logical thing to do because they can't use them on offense correctly. So t- just trade them, to, just trade them somewhere for anything, love for them and them. and just get and get Fizdale out of there, and then reevaluate everything in the uh, in the summertime. Yeah, I so first thing, I have a feeling that <clears throat> they're. I think, and these might be long-standing issues, but I think their scouting in general of like pre-draft is pretty solid. not going to say it's like elite, but I think it's pretty solid. And we've actually seen this for a while with the Knicks. When they keep their first-round picks, they tend to like at least get players that stick around in the league for a while. Uh, like, even if you go back to, you know, David Lee, Nate Robinson, Channing Fry, Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, a lot of guys that stuck around, mostly guys that stuck around in the NBA for a while, and have actually, to varying degrees, been like solid rotation players on good teams, competitive teams, um, and you can go through the years. And, like, I think that there are promising signs for Frank this year. I think that R.J. Barrett looks like, I mean, granted, he was a third overall pick. It's not exactly like they, you know, did some amazing draft evaluation. Yeah, universally, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, the, only only the Celtics get credit for taking good players uh, in the top <laughs> of the pick. Um, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, I, I think... I don't know about Knox. Knox is definitely a big question mark. There are some things I like about him. There are things that are very concerning about him. Uh, Mitchell but Robinson only SGA was, was taken after him, really, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Which everybody knew. 
Yeah. Everybody I mean, knew, on. bro. Um, like Mitch was obviously a very good pick. Uh, even if you hate, I don't like Alonzo Trier, but objectively as an undrafted free agent, that's a pretty good find to have. He has NBA skills, which is not yeah. a guarantee for an undrafted player. Yeah, like, like they, they've done, they've done fine. Like their scouting is fine, I think, pre-draft. I think for, and this is again, this is a problem if you go back to so many trades they've made. I don't, I think their pro personnel scouting fucking sucks, probably. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what it so, seems like. Yeah, it could because. They have just sucked at it for so long. And the only time we actually did good with pro personnel stuff was, like, that one summer when between, so before the 2012-13 season. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was the only time. And it was like, and why? It's because they they all of a sudden, like, and it actually even the year before because they stupidly amnestied Chauncey, but they did correctly identify, like, Tyson Chandler, who is a bitch, um, they correctly identified him as like the type of defensive anchor you would need for a team that had defensive. Sims. It was surprisingly I mean, sort of forward thinking for them. Yeah. The kind of role he was playing. Yeah, yeah. Because he wasn't yeah. like a that Patrick Ewing. Style he wasn't a baller. Center. You know, he wasn't. He was like a newish style of center, sort of. Yeah. He wasn't getting a lot of PPG. Um, <laughs> and and then like that next summer they get kid, right? Which was like a very low key smart move. You know, he's not putting up gaudy numbers. They like nab. Pablo from overseas. They did a lot of like sneaky smart things. Yeah. yeah, she like they just did like smart stuff. Okay. And I don't know. But basically since that point, most of their pro personnel moves have been bad or like not value appropriate for the contracts handed out. And that's a problem. Um yeah. that, I don't know. That, I I don't know exactly where that dichotomy is. I know they added people when Perry came in and tried to, like, reshape stuff, but that definitely seems to be a longstanding issue, um, even if they're better now at, like, structuring contracts that aren't right. for them forever. Um, yeah, I used to think they might, like, Perry might have been the answer, and now I just kind of feel like he's sort of a fizz, although <laughs> better than fizz. It's not completely slander uh, <laughs> the man, but, like, a, a Fisher-Price, my first GM, back to respectability kind of vibe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Fine, but I don't know if he's the guy to get us there. I, I Perry is the guy that like helped us stabilize, I think, and like even more than Phil. Phil yeah. kind of started was too much of an old school train wreck. I'm gonna shit all over the publicity, like you know, be a monster. And, impressed. Yeah, and then also just like hand out four year deals to, <laughs> to everyone. Like, yeah, just Back whatever. Um, yeah, like I, I think that like, I think Perry generally he has the right overarching ideas, like. I think it was smart to get a few vets this summer. I think it was smart to hand out one plus one deals. I think it was smart to trade Porzingis and, like, you know, uh, not to revisit the whole trade, but, like, I just think that entire strategy, at least it's a cohesive strategy, and it's working to a goal, and you're also not, like, mortgaging your future to get things done, okay? Like, I am fine with that. What is I think it's like everything though is overboard. It's like okay, we have to use all of our cap space, and we have to uh, sign every single vet that we possibly can, and I have to give all of the guys I drafted in Orlando a chance again, and I have to like it's like just relax, man. Right. Like, I mean, the also, like I think hiring Fisdale is really troubling. I don't understand. 
what they saw in this guy. Either they're on board with these horrible decisions or, like, didn't know what he would do in very basic sort of situations, and if they agree with his approach to so many things, that's really troubling. I, I hate their evaluation of Frank and how they keep putting bums in front of him. I mean, okay, I, like, I, I, I want to push back on this real quick. Sure. I don't think we should say we can say their evaluation of Frank. I think there's very clearly, like, a split in the evaluation of Frank. I think Mills, weirdly, who has been here through, like, all the eras of, like, overvaluing PPG guys, apparently maybe has learned something from that. Because I think he is the only reason Frank is still a Nick. I'm, oh, I think you're right. I, I'm more just talking about Perry at this point. But, yeah, okay. no, that's, fair. that's fair. Well, then don't say they, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I was using the gender-neutral pronoun. Sorry I'm too woke for you. Oh, uh, God. Sorry, go ahead. I, I just needed to get that out there. That was um, a type of gender-neutral pronouns. True. They're necessary. All right. No, they they are necessary. It's just no. Oh, there we go. Just talking just talk about your wokeness. That's all. That's what uh, the uh, okay. the issue is. No, not not, not the actual pronouns. Please, let's be. No, I um, know you aren't anti. Let's get let's get this let's get this straight. I want everyone to be pro pronouns. Like, don't be afraid to put them in your email headers and everything like that. And go ahead and do your thing. Just uh, just don't be like James and just be like, I'm the wokest person on the planet because um, you're usually <laughs> you're usually not. Before That's fine. You're right. Before I forget, though, Drew, your hair looked so good in that video that someone shared in Slack uh, the other day. I just want to say. Oh, you mean my uh, biography that uh, our friend of the show, Scrutum, is shooting of me? Oh, that was, I didn't know what that was, but yeah, this is a little inside baseball, but people need to know that Drew's hair is looking shiny. No, well, I'm going to... What are you I doing? To, What's your regimen right now? So what I usually do is I only wash it maybe like two to three times a week, and I'm conditioning it mm, probably like five to six days Oh, there we as go. well. Yeah, and yeah, not only that, I'm also using like leave-in conditioner as well, maybe like three of those days as well, so to kind of keep everything... From like uh, frizzing up and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah I, I get. Um, I'm trying to think of what the conditioner's name is. It's called like Double Bubble Trouble. I don't know. It's it's green, not green. It's yellow. And Are you it's using giant. gum? Yeah, I'm using uh the Hubba Bubba Bubble Tape. Just melt that down. <laughs> you put that shit in your beard, Schwinn. Yes, yes. Schwinn has been using some uh, beard shampoo or have you been beard oil? Beard oil. oil. Yeah, it's working great. It's working good. That uh, front of the show. Sting, stingy, stingy, stinky. Stinky. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving everyone all the hot shit that they want to hear from the posting and toasting Slack. This yeah, is definitely. Stuff. I'll uh, I'll share the video once I uh, decide to download it because it's one of the funniest things ever. I couldn't concentrate on what was happening. Your hair looked so good. It was. Uh, oh no, it was. I was acting like a uh, like a medical examiner on Law and Order, so I definitely wasn't doing a good job. But I blame that on the uh, director yeah. of the uh, the film for not taking multiple cuts, like. Uh, like, what's his name? Like, Kubrick? Like, I needed probably, like, 10,000 cuts, and I needed to be, like, worn down and beaten down. But now he was just like, all right, one cut, good, like, good old Clint Eastwood. That'd be good if Budum just directed you so hard that you got a divorce from Jill. Oh, that would be, uh, that'd be really funny. Um, the best part was he was just, like, filming my cats, too, when I wasn't, like, paying attention. <laughs> I wonder if this makes any sense to the listeners right now. It makes sense in my head. But. Oh, yeah, no, none of this makes any sense. So I'm going to get back on – try to get, get us back on track and talk about some basketball. Do you want to hear some uh, want to hear some pick-and-roll stats for the uh, for the Knicks? There's some crazy b- bananas. Not especially. 
Not right. especially. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to read. You say gonna, i got to get another beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go get your uh, beer. You're going to like this. Uh, do you know who has the most pick-and-roll ball handler possessions on the Knicks? At least, let's say, the top three. Do you have any uh, Marcus Morris. He's second. Uh, Randall. Randall is actually last. Interesting. On the, on the uh, on this list, because I don't – I forget who it was. I think it was um, our buddy – was it our buddy Nick Nuance? Who yeah. brought this up? I think it was him. He mentioned that like they don't track it like any type of regular possession, which kind of makes sense for what I'm seeing. Because right now they have RJ Barrett has 91 possessions at pick and roll this year, and he hasn't been that efficient as a scorer, which to me is relatively like fine, whatever. But Marcus Morris is probably the most interesting one. Is that he has 51 pick and roll possessions, and he is in the 95th percentile. In efficiency, scoring 1.2 points per possession. I think roll. as the ball handler. Yes, as the yeah, ball handler. What? I, that is no, no, test at all. No, no, no. Here's the thing. They. It's really weird because I guarantee if you look at his off-screen or, or dribble handoff numbers, oh, yeah, they're, they're probably they're atrocious. But like his pick and roll, actually, when it's a straight pick and roll from the top of the key, has been okay. But that's because he's shooting like 60 billion percent from three right now. Yeah, that's where the points per possession is coming from. And what is really troubling to me is Frank in the 15 games he's played, he only has 32 registered pick-and-roll ball handler possessions on NBA stats, which is like pretty much like 20 less possessions than Marcus Morris, who isn't a pick-and-roll ball handler. Like, yeah, he's doing well right now, but he's just like on fire from three. And I think if you're not Steph Curry, you can never, ever run a pick-and-roll. It cannot work. If you can't 50% of your threes, it's impossible. No, that's uh, fair. But this is probably the more troubling part to me, which is kind of driving me crazy. It's actually the roll man stuff with the Knicks. So Mitchell Robinson is only averaging 2.3 possessions per game as the roll man, like finishing as the roll man, which is awful, right? Like that's just way too low. Like the Knicks are the eighth lowest in terms of like like possessions as the roll man, but they're like in the top seven. Inefficiency because you have like Mitch who's averaging 1.6 points per possession on. Um, no, Randall's actually like he's, he's bad right now, but he's like historically pretty good. But Mitch is in the 100th percentile in efficiency as the it's only because they never roll them, uh, they never use them. As soon as they start using them, he'll go down to 97th percentile. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, and um, Taj Gibson is in the 80, basically the 85th percentile too, as the uh. As the you know, as the role man, and it's like I think they should be doing this more. Like it, yeah. It, they don't, and they don't, which is like it just drives me crazy. Like I, this is a huge advantage that the Knicks have because Taj can pick and pop. Bobby Portis can pick and pop. He's he's at you know point nine right now, not doing too well. But like they have guys who can do stuff off pick and roll. And they just don't do it. Yeah. So so the okay. So here's the thing, right? Like there is an argument to be made that the reason the Knicks don't run more pick-and-roll is because it wouldn't be effective because our guards are not good pull-up shooters and everyone will go under and blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Here's the thing. If they were consistently trying to run pick-and-rolls and that's what was happening, I would be very sympathetic to that argument. I would even be more sympathetic to the argument if, the, if whatever the hell we're doing with Randall and Morris was resulting in very good offense, but it is not. So, like, I don't understand what's the drawback, right? Like, what is the drawback? There is no drawback because we are the worst offense in the league. So how could there possibly be a drawback in attempting to try a different way to attack 
the defense. There isn't. There is none. And, like, and here, the other thing is that this was a problem going back to last year. This is the same thing that sucked so hard during last year. We complained about it last year. They should run more pick and roll. We, I swear to fucking God, we have had 15 straight coaches. But since Woodson left, it's amazing that Woodson is the most modern basketball line we've apparently had. <laughs> but, like, since, since Woodson left, every single coach, I'm like, maybe we should run more pick and roll. Maybe we should run more pick and roll. Maybe we should. And it's like, they never do it. They never do it. And it's like, I, wait, like, Jared Jack could kind of shoot. Why the hell did we do it with him? Rose couldn't really shoot that well, but he was like a pretty good pick and roll ball in there. Should have done that more. Like, we should be doing this stuff more. And, and if. Or if horns, the, as you're fond of saying frequently. Like, same yeah. shit. Like. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if you're not. And then, and then the other thing is, like, there's also the argument to be made that the reason we don't run it enough is because we don't have good screeners. Screening is a skill that you can yeah. teach. Like, the Warriors signed 60 billion big guys. And all of them set screens, okay? All of them set screens, and guess what? If you didn't set screens, you were not going to play. This does not seem that complicated to me. Like, they, well, the Knicks, they don't, they, they like, they run their shitty like three-man weave and so offense so perfunctorily. You know, like they they don't do it with, they don't do it expeditiously. You know, like there's no. Uh, fucking zest when they run their shitty, horribly designed sets. So, no, they run it worse than a college team. Yeah, so it's like either they don't uh, like either they don't believe in the offense, which I don't find hard to believe. That seems like honestly like very possible to me, or they're just like not being again held accountable for not like their shitty offense, such as it is, which I think we all disagree is not playing to their strengths as much as it should. Still, isn't even being run well, and I think even that sometimes someone like a Randall does it purposely because he knows, like, if, you know, option A and B shuts down, that option C is, like, a post-entry pass to him where he can, like, then dick around. Like, they so, just – they do it every, they do everything so sloppily and slowly. We we look like – I don't really care about dealing with the specifics of the game or the last few games or the co- – we look – use your fucking eyes, okay? Use your fucking eyes. This – we look like a, a, a poorly coached team. There are, like – periods in every game where we look like a terribly coached team that has no plan of attack offensively. The defense, like, as much as we shit on it, like, it does weirdly work in spurts, right? So it's not like, yeah. I can't totally shit on the on whatever he's trying to do, because it, it, like, does work a bit in spurts. And, like, really, aside from that horrible uh, Spurs first half, like, it has been better of late. Like, it, it really is, like, has. It's still, look, but it makes them horribly bungle, like, seven possessions a game. That's kind of the thing. Horribly. Like, wide open dunk bungle. But what I'm saying is, like, I can, I can deal with that because at least, like, on, on net, the net uh, production, sure. defensively, you're like, yeah. okay, this is workable. This is fine. Like, we can deal with this. Like, if we... This should not be the worst offensive team in basketball. I refuse to accept that or believe that. Like, I absolutely re- I reject that. Because we were the worst. We were, like, what, the 29th offensive team in basketball last year, I think? Yeah. Is that right? I think so. I think we were 100% had less talent. Absolutely had less talent last year. Yeah. And, a lot. And, like, to to be worse this year is insane to me. And the thing is, like, it's, again, it's the same underlying. There, there's no, there's, there's such a lack of attention to detail in everything we do. Yeah. Like, like, for example, today there was a possession where um, the Frank 
comes across the baseline. Knox is in the corner. Knox swings it to Frank. And then Knox just, like, stands there, and Frank, and then, like, Todd comes up to set a screen for Frank, and then Knox all of a sudden realizes, like, oh, I should probably get the fuck out of here, and kind of goes to the top of the key. But the spacing is just, like, there's, like, three guys on top of each other. And Frank ended up having to, like, take, like, this awkward mid-range jumper because there's nowhere to go. And then there was, a, there's like, there's so many times you can watch us and like, like today there's one in, in the second half. Uh, so DSJ pushes up the floor. He actually makes a really nice pass to Portis in the corner. And whoever it was in the Nets had a good closeout because Portis has a pretty long release. But it was a good closeout. So like Portis couldn't get the shot off. And he swings it to Dot, who was open for three. The problem is that Dot is like right next to Portis. So like the recovery that needs to, that needed the, the the defender needed to make was barely anything. So we didn't even get a good shot on that because Dot had to push it back out and reset. And I think Dot ended up taking like some crazy like mid range pull up that he made or something. But the point being is like you see these kind of small things every game, and it's like when you see that stuff offensively every game, that is an attack an attention to detail thing, and that is coaching. Like. It absolutely is coaching. If you're going to let Julius Randle take stupid step back, you know, 12 footers every game with no repercussion, he, that, that's coaching. Right. Like, There's that's, a lot of stuff like that that's been happening all season. Like, you know, justifiably, Trier's been benched, but he had like seven consecutive clear path fouls. Uh, the weird, like, out of bounds foul on Morris and shit. It's like, it's a lot of stuff that reminds me of, you know, like get, taking a penalty on special teams in football and shit. And you're just like, this whole team's a mess. Like, like yeah, nothing you, is you right. You can just tell. You, know? you can tell. Like, you can – this team should not be 4-13. I Like, I just don't think that. I, I don't think that at all. And it's not because I think they're amazing. I thought they were maybe going to win 30 games this year. I said, like – I literally said they will win 30 games. I'm an optimist. So, clearly, that's not like me being like, oh, yeah, they should yeah. They should definitely win 30 games. It was just like, no. Like, I think, like, if Fizz does have a good job, like, they can win 30 games. But, like, he's failing horribly at doing even a semi-good job. Like, what, we're 20% of the way through the season, basically, right? If More, I'm or, less. Correct? More yeah. or less. More or less. We're approaching it, but, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're basically on pace right now to have a worse record than last year, or, like, the same record. That's unacceptable. That's a fireable offense. I really don't give a shit about the excuses anymore. Fuck this guy. Like, we need to get him out of here because he's not doing a good job. And you know what the benefit of firing him would be? Then we can find out. Whoever the fuck they have as the next coach, find the fuck out who it is, a point was interim. If he's making the same shitty decisions, then we as fans 100% know the front office is the reason right. for this shit. And mm-hmm. then all these fucking people that are out there tweeting, well, what about the front office? What about the front office? What about the <laughs> Guess what? I don't know what about the front office right now. I have no idea because how can I know with a coach that is making the same errors that were made last year? Yeah, last they're year? all the same. He's clearly an idiot. I mean, uh, I, it's tough. I, you know, like, hey, this, uh... Defending, if you're watch, if you are defending Fizzle, the job Fizzle is doing, then you aren't watching the Knicks, or you're Howard Beck and just a fucking piece of control. So, like, either way, it doesn't matter to me. I just know that you suck, and you're wrong. Oh, and you know jack shit about the Knicks, and you know jack shit about David Fizzle, that coach, and you probably know jack shit about basketball. I have a couple got to hear both sides. I don't have to hear both sides, and I don't even agree with what I'm about to say, basically. But, however, uh, just speaking about the Nets game, uh, I want to say they played some tight defense down the stretch. I was actually kind of impressed with a couple of possessions. Frank missed a ton of shots that was annoying uh, that were wide open. He's beautiful, and he'll be okay. 
Um, uh, and also the refs, I think, were a complete disgrace in this Nets game. Uh, they were really bad. They, oh, were they, really, really, they swung they were really the game bad. in a way that I don't think was fair. I think a lot of times, like in basketball, you know, someone has an advantage, and that's just like how it is. You have to just fucking like you know stack up and deal with it. But it was pretty bad against the Nets. I'll say the, the fourth well, quarter. Was stuff, I didn't say you said about Thibodeau being a bad coach, but like tonight, like they probably could have won. That that was kind of you know. Yeah, yeah, but like, they weren't like, going to win because of Fisdale, though. It was basically more or less in spite of Fisdale because, like, Morris got really hot. Um, they, they had some decent stretches with defense and things like that. Like, it wasn't, like, anything like Fizz was doing, like, master class coaching. It was just more It was more in spite of, of anything else that they were in this game for any period of time. It, 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 well, it, it bubbles up in spite of him. We have – the thing is, we have good defenders. Like, like Frank is obviously – I think I mean, he's an elite defender. I think he – he won't because we suck, and that's how this works. But he should be – like, if he plays at this level all year, he should absolutely be an all-NBA defender. Um, uh, Todd Gibson is a solid defender. Uh, Marcus Morris is a solid defender. Mitchell Robinson, when he cannot foul. Uh, though I thought, like, I thought like a few of his fouls today were really – Dude, really they had, like, focused. three bullshit fouls. And even yeah. Breen, who's very uh, you know, weak when it comes worst. to criticizing the powers that be – uh, especially the officials is really what I mean. Like he was getting on them and was like, "I don't understand giving him a tech for this." Are you yeah. kidding me? You know, and I thought that was right because making fun of or like complaining about the officials, we all know is the lowest form of conversation after remember when. But sometimes it's true, <laughs> and they were terrible. Like they were yeah. Like the thing. The, here's the thing. Like I know the refs suck tonight, but it's like, like to me the issue. Like there's just so many like even with the ref sucking tonight if Fizdale is a good coach you win this game right yeah, that's the problem pretty much yeah. and, like not even a good coach if he's just an average coach if he's an average coach you win this game he's not an average coach because an average coach would at least have you like running sets that make some sense and like kind of use your roster okay like the fact of the matter is i have if you fire david fizzle right now and hired jeff hornacek to be our coach our coach again we would be a better team I don't know what that says about David Fisdale because I didn't think Jeff Hornacek was particularly good, mostly because I think that he just refused to, like, like maximize threes. Even he was though, too much of a boomer. That was really, yeah. like, yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah, Hornacek's yeah. problem. I know. Uh, we, uh, back in my day, I used to hit 70% for mid-range. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. And, and Fisdale's, like, in, in like, the worst caricature of a millennial. Like <laughs> yeah. He's the old... He's like the old guy at a college bar. Yeah, I love. Oh yeah, I was too friendly with everyone. You're like, what are you doing here? You're like, hey, why are you here, man? <laughs> uh, uh, like, it's just I, I don't. I we just gotta get him at like again. Like the entire thing is, if you think the front office, like okay, the way I think of it is this, and I this is what we we talked about last week with Schmelk, right? If you're Dolan, all you tell this is what you tell the front office, like you can fire Fizz, you don't get to make a long term appointment. Head coach, you can appoint an interim from the existing staff. Okay, um, at the end of the year, we'll see how this guy does versus what Fizdale does, and compare that to what you said we would do this year versus over the course of the whole year. Right? That's how you should evaluate that. Now, for us as fans, all we need to give a shit about is okay. All this stuff that we are complaining about with Fizdale, if it's the same under another coach, and I'm not just talking about like you know, the sets we're running and shit like that, like how we execute. I'm just talking about, like, even from just basic rotations and minutes and, like, holding guys accountable and all that kind of stuff. 
like if that doesn't change under an interim, then you know there's there's a massive problem there because yeah. that then to I, me, I I want to say something to the people who are like, well you you're not in the room you can't possibly know <laughs> what human being shit they got to deal with these are humans and you're not there. I mean, here's what I want to say. What do you think these guys think when they see someone like when they see Kevin Knox started the two? In this game, like honestly, what is this? Like, what is the psychological toll of knowing that your general is looking at the battlefield and being like, "I think the best way to beat cavalry is to like strip (laughs) naked and run at them without any weapons." You're gonna be like, "Oh, great! I can't wait to like charge the field with this guy, you know, like leading the way." Like, what the fuck? You're gonna be like, "Oh my god, I'm dead." How do I make sure that I don't die? What do I need to do to not die with this guy leading me? So, like, even though Knox only played, like, ten minutes in that retarded role, excuse my French, you know, as the two, like, what did that do to them? How do they have to overcome that trauma throughout the game? Like, so, like, so, like, miss me with this shit that, like, I'm not in the locker room and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's sometimes true. Well, do you but this kind of thing, I think, is a bigger deal when people, like, Oh well, he adjusted because you'll get those kind of people, right? He yeah. Him, but you took, but like he shouldn't have fucking done it to begin with. He shouldn't have not played Frank for the first three days to begin with. He shouldn't have been like, oh, I just saw that he played Kemba Walker really well in FIBA the second time he fucking played him. <laughs> and there's a million instances of this where the first time around you knew it was completely idiotic, and he Point did so. it anyway. And like that makes people just like rub sloppily through sets. It's like, well, I'm not gonna do what this fucking idiot is telling me what to do. Like it's not gonna help. <clears throat> it, it doesn't, and that was that was a good rant. You guys are doing really well with the rant game, but no, this is the Twins' point. You're right. Like if they appoint, I don't know who's on. I only know Mike Miller. Who gives a shit? If they appoint fucking Herb, if they bring Herb from whatever, like yeah, whatever it is, of like if he crawls out from whatever rock. Yeah, so whatever it is, like if, if it's the, whoever the person is, if they put them in, and they're still not subbing out Julius Randle for playing bad defense. Then we do definitively know it's a front office issue. Then, like, it, then it becomes very obvious. Like this, I feel like this would be a great way for the front office, if this is the case, to kind of like reevaluate and just change things up and just like fix it. Like they have a very, they, like they actually finally have the upper hand in kind of this situation. Like if they fired Fizz, no one's going to get like no one's going to be except uh, mad, except probably for like people at ESPN because like Howard Beck. Yeah, like Howard Beck, and then probably like. Zach Lower or whatever. Ooh, Dylan's you know, cronies that run the garden. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up, Woj, like, every time he talks about the Knicks, he's always got to drop. And Dolan's cronies. Like, dude, shut up, man. Like, yeah, like that's going to happen. Be, in the, be a fucking reporter. Just shut your mouth. Yeah, so, like, that'll happen. But, like, it's definitely justified, like, watching the games. And then then that's it. Like, that's it. Then there's no more cover. For uh, for the right, like, office. Actually, if if you're Dolan, actually, if I was Dolan, I would be like, fire him right now, appoint an interim, because if because what that Woj report was, right, was that like it basically was that fit, like Mills was telling Dolan like, oh no, 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 the reason we are like this this team is better, like Fizz is the one that's sabotaging us, right? And before the year, we found out that, or Mills said that, like, they evaluate the season in 10-game segments or whatever. It is... Tranches. Yeah, tranches. Tranches, sorry. So, so, like, you know, it is interesting to note that they came out with that press conference after the first 10 games. Um, Obviously, 
I think we can all assume here that Dolan is the one that made them do it, but, like, it is interesting to note that it happened after 10 games. Um, so whatever, if they want to wait to game 20 to fire him, I really don't care. I would fire him right now. Um, but if they want to wait to Luke Wink, like, that's fine. But if you're Dolan, you should just be like, no, fire him, appoint an interim, and I want to see this this whole, like, because I would be like, no, no, I don't, you're not getting a pass for the year. You're not getting the, the, the year pass. Like, you can either keep Fizz and own that, or you can fire him and appoint an interim, and then I want that, I want to see these, this better, this the better results that you were selling me on. And if that doesn't happen at the end of the year, then, you know. Yeah, I think if the, if Fizz gets fired, like, rightfully so, I feel like they have to go. Because I, I just don't know how you can let the, the team that hired this guy uh, hire the next the next guy. And, and you know, uh, like, it's just been such a disaster. The Julius yeah. Randle stuff, like, so much. So, like, but, so uh, here, here's my hype. Like, so you say that, right? But, like, okay, what did you think coming into this season was a realistic, like, like, here's, here's the way I think of it. Were you fine with the overall, like, kind of direction they were going? And to... Do you what? What did you? What were your expectations yeah, of this team? I mean, yeah. So I, I, I was, um, I where I was coming from, and now I'm realizing that I was wrong, and I think I should never make this mistake again. Is I don't think anything that they did last year was purposefully tanking. Um, I think, but I did, and so coming into the season, I was like, well, what Fisdale does will be really revealing, and he's shown that he's making all of the same errors in judgment that he did all of last season, what I thought. So I guess you could consider the fact that maybe they think this is tanking, but that's not evidenced by the front office's words. They used all of the tanking dog whistles last season, none of them this season. They seemed to think that they were going to be what we thought they were going to be, sub-playoff, sub-500, but competitive, which, you know, they're not. So, But that Fizdale has revealed himself to be what he is is so deeply alarming to me. Like, I think he's so horribly flawed as a coach that I just don't understand how he's here. And that's the only time when I'm like, all right, maybe I am missing something because I've never been in the NBA because he just appears so terrible that it's, you know, if basketball actually mattered in the cosmic scheme of things, I would say so deeply, deeply troubling that they would bring this guy into the fold. I don't know. It, yeah, it's my, such a my, horrible error in judgment. But you're my, right my about like where they are as a franchise. I feel good about their future still. Um, just I don't know if they should be the ones guiding it. So, so my thing is like if if they fire Fizz and whatever. So let's say they fire him after 20 games. So they appoint an interim. That's what, 62 games that guy would have. Let's say yeah. over those over that 62 game period, we see. Uh, you know, they perform at a 30 win pace, something like that. Um, you know, the point so the point differentials tighten up, and uh, you know, there's a more cohesive structure to the to the rotations and lineups, and the young guys are developing. Like, if that's the case, then do we? Does it really make sense to fire the front office? Then, like, like I just think that like if. I think it's yeah, right. I, think it's, I mean, I think I think it's imperative to put the front office on notice that their jobs are on the line because then, but like also like it's weird because the way I would do is I would be like I think you need to be like look your job is on the line with like how this team performs but like also like you don't get to trade any rookie scale contract players unless it's for like some super duper star that which isn't gonna happen and and so like, I, I want to say and, like well I, I think you're right with the exception that. 
it shouldn't be based on wins and losses because so many things can happen when other teams come in and guys are hurt or whatever the fuck's going on. Um, like wins and losses are super important, but like it should be more that it process over result, yeah. right? Like the underlying metrics. If, if they're still coaching like Fizz, but are stumbling into wins for whatever stupid reasons, I mean, there's a million things that you know happen on a basketball court in any given game. Like if their direction still seems rudderless and you know nonsensical, but they can win at a better clip, I won't be happy. But that's obviously like. That's a not very likely outcome. Yeah, but I don't see this team winning. Like you're saying, like if they keep the same process and stumble into wins, I don't see them stumbling into wins doing the same process. I just I see them. Right. As, I think you're right. right. They're I think just it's going to the realm of possibility only because like we're not talking about a high win percentage here, right? You yeah. Know? Like, so it's not no, like I, a I successful if they win at a thirty win pace. If they play at a thirty win pace, like they could be doing it using shitty means, potentially, maybe, kind of. I mean, I don't even see that because a 31 pace would just involve just doing the right thing on the court, yeah. right? Because they're not even they're not even doing that, like, consistently through a coach. So, yeah, I would just say, like... I just, I just want to see this roster with a good coach. Like, I want to see that with an average coach. Because right, the way I think of it is, like, you know, if we're trying to fairly evaluate the front office and the roster, like... Fizz is making it impossible to do with how he's utilizing the roster, right? Like, the no, only reason yeah. the only reason we know that, like, Frank is a net positive player is because, first of all, like, none of the other guards they have can even run a competent offense half the time. And second of all, like, he just makes, like, these... Like, it's very obvious to anybody that isn't, like, a total fucking idiot that he's really good on defense and that has value. And, like, then you can, like, look at the box score and see that He's contributing more on the glass. Like, his assist turnover ratio is better. He is, you know, getting steals. He's getting blocks. Like, they're just very, it's very tangible to see that he's better. Now, is that a coaching thing? I have no idea. Actually, I, I wish we could see more of it because then we could see, you know, oh, can this guy, can, if we put Frank in more pick and roll, can he get more assists or will we see, like, his assist turnover ratio plummet, right? Those are things you want to find out. Um, like, we want, if, instead of using Julius Randle as, you know, yeah. fucking prime KD, yeah, we, if we were using him as Julius Randle, the guy that averaged 21 and 9, mostly on, like, ball cuts. century shooting. Yeah, yeah. like, like off you, ball off, stuff. Off ball stuff. And like, that's the stuff that I want. Because if, we, if we're starting optimizing the roster, and then the team is like, you know, it wins, like, it's winning at a 30-win pace, then I'm like, okay, well, that's exactly what the front office, like, the front office was right about, like, they did evaluate this roster properly. They didn't, like, come in and, and they didn't assemble a 17-win roster, tell us it was 30 wins, and then, like, you know what I mean? Like, then you yeah, feel no, better fair. about yeah. the mm-hmm. front office. And I'm not, like, I understand the people are, like, you know, oh, like, I understand the Mills thing, right? And I, I, I don't know what to say to people about that, because, like, you can, I get it. He's been there for a long time. I really don't think he was very involved in, like, basketball operations under Isaiah and definitely not under Donnie Walsh because that was, like, the NBA literally telling, uh, <laughs> literally telling <laughs> Dolan to let somebody else run the organization. <laughs> um, and he wasn't even there. He wasn't even at the Garden for a long period of that. So, like, then he came back under Phil, and we don't know what the hell happened there, and now we have this. And it's like, this is it is what it is. I don't really know. Like I think that first year <clears throat> uh, under Perry, when like KP was on fire before he went down, I thought that team was actually like yes, we had problems with Hornacek, but like that that team was actually playing better than I thought they would. 
um, for most of that season. So, like, I thought that was pretty promising, and then obviously KP went down. So once KP went down, like, you had zero cap flexibility, which isn't really, like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to put, like, the, the like all the Phil Jackson contracts on Mills just because he happened to be in the fucking room. Uh, like, I'm just not going to do that. And so then we have that, and it's like, okay, well, now, yes, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract sucks, but it's like the Courtney Lee contract sucked. The Joe Noah contract sucked. Like, we had to have Cantor on the team because that was the cost of getting Melo off the books, which was a Phil thing. Like, there's just, like, to me, like, once KP went down through no – major fault of their own, that team was always destined to be a bottom-of-the-barrel team. Even if we didn't have Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract on the uh, on the books, what, we would have had, like, 20 million cap space to fill out a team without Porzingis? Yeah, all right, man. Good luck with that. Like, I'm sure you're going to really build a winning fucking roster with that. Even though uh, we have Billy Hernan Gomez? Yeah, elite, elite scrub Billy Hernan Gomez. And Ramon uh, Sessions? <laughs> oh, God, Ramon Remember Sessions. Remember how bad he was? <laughs> Holy shit. He and, made Jared Jack look like Chris Paul. Um, and so like I just and like now we have this right so it's like I just want to see what under a different coach if they can get more out of this roster because I look at this roster and I'm like I think there's a path to this being like an average-ish or above average-ish defensive team Uh, I think there's a path to like 25th in offense maybe like maybe extreme end, like, 23rd in offense, but definitely better than this. And, like, if I see those things with the young talent getting better, like, I don't know. Like, do I want to fire the front office then just because, like, Mills has been here for a long time and, like, has sucked previously? Like, I'm not really – I'm not trying to, like, deny that he's made mistakes. Obviously, we all know the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract sucked and the Ron Baker contract sucked. Like, we know that. But, like – I have to, I'm evaluating them what it is now because I actually think they like I think if a G if they did clear house obviously I think a lot of GMs would want this job if they cleared if they and they, and obviously if they were like yeah Steve and Dolan's like no 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 Steve Mills is gone don't worry about it then I think a lot of guys would want this job because it's set up pretty nicely you have a ton of capex you got these young guys got all these picks like it's not a bad situation at all no it's not especially with like RJ being probably better than we were going to expect, especially, like, coming into the draft. And with, I would say, Frank, I would say he's emerging, like, this year, too. Like, he's finally coming into his own. Then you have, like, Knox as, like, that wild card. Like, he could be good, but he could also just not be good. So, like, yeah, there's definitely a good, like, route for anybody. But, no, I I don't see the point in firing Mills. I don't think it does anything. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you're going to fire him now, it doesn't solve the Fizdale issue. Yeah, right. Right, that's the like, thing, right? Like, like that's the, it doesn't solve the current problems that are happening on the court. And if you're doing that, you, like you don't clear house in the middle of the season anyway with like front office stuff and whatnot. Like you can give them to like the trade deadline if you really want to hold their feet to the fire and just be like, all right, if you're not fixing this by the trade deadline, making some moves, and you're gone, bringing them like a different front office. But like, I don't know, it just makes sense to me. Just for even if they're just trying to preserve their jobs for Mills and Perry. Fire is the way to go. Yeah, like he's not going to save your job, man. Like he's really <laughs> not. Like, <laughs> like if they're going to keep, like if they decide to not fire Fizdale this season and they keep him for the rest of the year, everyone's gone, right? Because they're going to they're going to lose. They're going to have like one of the like bottom three records again in this year when they shouldn't have with this roster, and like then everyone's gone. 
excuse me, uh, excuse me, David. This is James Marcita posting and toasting. Could you use your gold star communication skills to explain to me why you don't deserve to be fired? <laughs> no, I can't. They should credential uh, me is, immediately. Is, so isn't like the the parallel to me? I guess the 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 team to kind of look at if you're thinking of like just looking at order of operations, how things work, right? Um, so I know Tibbs was like the president of basketball operations too. But, like, they had a GM, right, which was Scott Layden, hilariously. Um, <laughs> but it's, like, like just an order of operations thing is you fire a head coach, get in an interim, which is presumably puts your roster on notice, and kind of, like, use the rest of the year to evaluate what you have, mm-hmm. and then make an informed decision, which is basically what the Timberwolves did, if I remember correctly. Like, they fired Tibbs. Um, they didn't really let, what's his name, uh, Layden do anything other than, like, take calls kind of shit. Um, then they appointed what, Ryan Saunders yeah. as their coach. He actually, like, you know, and then this is the thing. Like, this is why I think we need to get an interim in because with the same roster Tibbs had, all of a sudden he's, like, got Towns shooting, like, eight, nine threes a game. Like, yeah. they're taking more threes, yeah. taking less mid-range. Like, it just looks like a more functional... It made Wiggins look better. Yeah, but, <laughs> sure, but I, I'm, I'm talking about even... I'm just talking about even just last year. Last like, year, like, yeah, I got you. Just, like, you could see within... Like, I remember watching them with Tibbs and watching them after Tibbs, and it was like... Yeah, it was, okay, it was almost a night and day difference. It really it's like a very big difference in what they're doing, even if they're still not very good yet. Like, there's definitely a difference. And they were actually, they were actually really good after Tibbs got... Tibbs got canned, but the problem was um, Covington got hurt, and he was like, like he's like kind of like their Frank, except can shoot really well. Um, but like he's like the guy that just like helps lineups be really good, and everybody's like, wait, why is this guy so good again? Um, and like, but yeah, you could see that, and then all of a sudden, and then but like you know, their situation is obviously different in the sense that like then they did go on and get a president of basketball operations. So I'm not saying it's an exact parallel, but it gives you an idea of like why you would make this move and it's just like you know if even if to me like even if you want to have Mills and Perry fired I don't see how this like firing Fisdale like say I just don't get how it saves them if anything I I feel like it puts like a way bigger bullseye on them for fans from the media because like because if they keep Fizz then you can use him as a fall guy right at the end of the year you can be like nope this guy right here, it's Mr. This, this Mr. Fizz. He, it, it was his fault. But like, if you fire him now, you lose that. So like, I actually think in in some way it is it is a it would be a more yeah. So this is move. why I think that. But so like, you're kind of backing into why I think that ultimately I everything I I agree with everything you've said about how they should proceed. But like, if I had to guess if they're good or not, like I think they're not. Um. Because, yeah, probably, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Just, just because, like, because now they they've backed themselves into this corner where they they have no other option. And like, why did it happen? What did Fizdale say? His like philosophy was on basketball. Like, what did they talk about him? Talk about with talk about with him when they interviewed him. I don't know. It's just. Yeah. I think he might he might just be a good interviewer, man. Because like, cause, I mean, when he got hired, he was like. I mean, everything he says is good. You're like, oh, yeah, you want to, like, shoot threes and play fast and, like, play aggressive defense and you learn from your mistakes and you, like, went and studied all these coaches and went to practices and blah, blah, blah. It's like yeah. that kind of shit just sells you. And, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I 
I think it's like it's very hard to say an entire front office sucks because they hired a bad coach because like know, bad coaches but... have been hired bef- like Mitch Kupchak hired fucking Mike D'Antoni, you know. Uh, and when but like it just had- seems to be so I don't know like it, it, it like his coaching seems to be all poor in like the schematic department and like the like very like discussable way, not necessarily in like how he deals with players' egos or whatever, but. Uh, well, it's like, is Sam Presti a bad GM just because he hired, like, a terrible coach to come after Scott Brooks? No, we, I wouldn't say that. So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a fair point. I, the one thing I'll counter with the idea of using Fizz as a fall guy as the end of the year, because if that's the case, everyone from, everyone, like, you know, from us to, like, media people will all still, like, say, like, it's clean house time if that's the case, right? Because if Fizdale's still here, this team is still going to be the worst team in the league, more or less, if he's going to continue to coach this way. So you have a massively... What if he gets under- Julius Randle right? He's not going to get Julius Randle right. Like, it's, it's literally <laughs> never going to You just to don't believe in Julius Randle's positionless skill set. <laughs> no, like, no, I, no, you're right, I don't. I believe in him as a pick-and-roll player. <laughs> Coming off screens, going downhill, making very simple, quick reads, not isoing and deciding, oh, I'm going to dribble into three guys and do a spin move. Oh, you don't like, think positionless basketball means any player can be asked to do any task? That's not how you read except- that? Except Frank Nulikina. No, nope. yeah, that's that's uh that's exactly what I mean. But no, I think it puts everyone. I think if they keep Fizdale as the fall guy, I think it's so blatantly obvious. And then we're going to be all calling for the front office to be fired at the end of the year too. And it's going to be very loud too from everyone because there's also tons of people already saying like fire Mills and fire Perry. Like right at this moment, even though it doesn't make sense. Like there's already a, a especially from like fans and stuff being like these guys need to go. So if they're going to just use Fizz as a fallback guy, it's going to be so blatantly obvious, and then it's going to be even louder than yeah. it is. Here's right the thing now. I wonder. Here's the thing I wonder, and I don't hear a lot of people uh, like pontificating on this yet. And I know we haven't prepared for any of this, but especially this: um, if they do get rid of the front office, who do you guys think is the realistic, like best chance person they could bring in? I I would think somebody like Mike Zarin, like an assistant GM. He's he's been like the long term assistant GM with Boston. Everybody like. Sucks him off, so I'm assuming he's really good. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not uh, Masai. Sure. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't. I never, Masai's never. It's a. I don't know, man. It's so weird because he has all this stuff that he wants to do with like NBA Africa, which is like, you know, if he's in, it makes it a lot easier if you're in New York, right by the NBA offices and stuff like that. Another thing, uh, you know, that was the thing. What, yeah, he, he, and and like you know, Dolan, okay. you know, Dolan would pay him like fifty bajillion dollars. Like that's not gonna be an issue. I, I I don't think it's very realistic. But like, if you're asking for realistic, yeah, like yeah, realistic. Like Mike, yeah, like Mike Zarin to me seems like a realistic guy. That if you're, especially if you're serious about like, look, like Mills is gone, Perry's gone, and like all these little underlings that have been there forever, like you can clean house, you know, like that's what that means. That doesn't mean like Allen Houston gets. The, I mean, if, I guess if he, if he really wants to keep Allen Houston as like. The GM of Westchester. I don't see. I don't. I wonder though, only because like when Phil got here, there's all this shit about he couldn't get rid of the medical staff and blah blah blah. So I feel like that shit's still kind of even if you're like you don't have a Mills above you, they tell you shit like that that is like hey, Daniel like, Howard but, back on you. <laughs> well, I think the I think the medical staff thing is because he also owns the Rangers and they like work with the Rangers too. Uh, so. But like, I mean, honestly, as their medical staff, some like major. I don't really uh, remember. Uh, do you guys like Presty? 
I like he's Presti. Good. I don't know if he would leave. He feels like such a weirdly loyal guy. I feel like he would. He's got to he, be like an ego-driven guy, right? He'd want to get out of OKC to go to New York, right? Do you think we get the return of Sam Hankey? God, I couldn't. <laughs> Could have been Sam Hankey and learn basketball? I would love to. I, 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 I kind of want that, you know, just from the outside looking in. Like, I would just kind of love the story and the, the drama that would go around, like, Sam Hankey's return and it would be in New York. Because I actually don't think he's just, like, he's just a process person, even though he's a crazy person who writes, what, like, 75-page manifestos? That was the dumbest thing I've ever read. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think that would just be interesting. But no, they... Maury. You could get Maury. You could definitely get Maury. Oh, yeah. They, Houston would love to be rid of him. You could definitely get Maury. I would fucking get that. He's so good. annoying. Oh, he's God. so annoying, but he's actually good. He is like, actually hate, good. Is that, what, is that what being Harold good is going to mean? Do we have to be Houston? Ugh. Oh, God. If that, I don't know. Like, this might be, be a time for principles. Condition. I might need to die with on Fizz's uh, boat. That, that, would, that would be my only condition. Like, dude, Ugh. no, we can't do this. I would do anything for I would this. love Maury if he came and uh, Dolan was like, you know, I stand with Maury and fuck China. That would be... Amazing. No, Dolan would never do it. But, <laughs> it would just, <laughs> but it would just be the funniest thing to just kind of see like a huge it wouldn't even be like a heel turn for Dolan. It would be like a uh, a baby was it baby face? Fakab? What is it? No, in wrestling there's the heels and then I think it's called baby face. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, like wrestling. Terrible. Realistic <laughs> realist here's I think Jerry West is probably. I think you could maybe. I think you could probably. He's, he's literally eighty-two though. Yeah, but he's still out here getting fucking Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, yeah, Jerry, what, is that a thing? Did he do that? Of course he. Did. Uh, I mean, if if you want to believe that, like Lawrence Frank, all of a sudden became some fucking <laughs> front office mastermind. Well, uh, and Jerry West Kawhi was, though, just doing whatever he wanted to do. But like, they still had to think about everything they did to like. They, if if they sucked the last year. Kawhi would probably be a Laker. He'd be a Laker. Come on. Okay. He wouldn't have been on... And, like, it's not just that they got them. They got them, and they still had Pat Bev on the roster. They still got Montrezl Harrell on the roster. They still got Lou Williams on the roster. Yeah. They still have, like, a legit team. They didn't They didn't have to, like... They, they gutted picks and stuff to get, you know, PG and Kawhi. But they didn't have to gut their roster to get them, yeah. which I think is way more important. Um, and he's just so old. Like, is he really? He's staying awake through scouting trips and shit. No, but the thing is, he's actually like, like you, we paid Phil, and Phil just wanted to be like a consultant, right? But like, right. So he could be your mills and just sit there and be like, yeah, that's fine, that's smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. like, and make twelve million somebody, a year. Yeah, he would hire somebody to do like the day. He like if if the condition was like. If he was just like, I don't care if Moses is here. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll hold his hand through it. I don't care. That's fine. Like, I mean, you just, I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I fire Mills and bring in Jerry West. To keep Perry. We solved it. I, I feel, I, I really worry though, like about Dolan isn't gonna hire some cool up and comer. He's no, just not. He's not, he's not doing it's that. Never gonna happen. I don't like, know. He hired fucking Perry. Like, he could be that in theory. No, you know I mean? no, no. He. Let Mills hire Perry, which is totally. <laughs> yeah, Mills, Mills is like, Mills is yeah, Mills is like his son, like which is really odd. But um, I don't know. It's, it's can we talk about Frank? Are we allowed to talk about Frank? Can we just yeah, let's do it. We can have fun. 
it's also your podcast. You can just like do a hard cut right now to Frank. Go ahead, go for it. Um, so I think Frank is actually. I think he's fine. I think he's a good NBA player. I think he will be a good NBA player for a long time. Uh, he's basically Marcus Smart right now. Like Marcus Smart's first few years. In yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically what he is. So I don't really care about what the fuck he shot tonight because, um, you know, guys have bad shooting nights. So really, to me, it's more about like, can you have a bad shooting night and still be an effective player? And thing is, <laughs> Frank has to find ways to be effective when he has bad shooting nights because right now it seems like he's gonna have. A lot of bad shooting that <laughs> So, so like that's fine. But you know, um, the thing is, it's also the first like three weeks of his career. They finally, yeah. you know, have admitted that he's an NBA player and are giving him a chance to play like a normal fucking guy and like make mistakes and stuff. So I know like these things are very frank and they were there before the next, you know, did right or not by him. And it's not all on them, et cetera, et cetera. Like Frank is annoying sometimes, uh, but like. That kind of shit just doesn't worry me because his basketball intelligence is clearly so fucking astronomical. Um, yes. and, and he is getting better in things, things that you, like, more flashy skill type shit, uh, just with his handle and getting into the lane. He had that one nice take, and he was so proud of himself. Yeah, he <laughs> was. Like, I did it, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> his flex was so happy. It yeah, it wasn't like... a flex. It wasn't a flex. He was, like, yeah. yelling but, like, smiling at the bench. It was like, yeah, he went in the toilet. Uh, for the first time. <laughs> he was like, I did it. I have to down. I got an in one, guys. Like, in between pampers by myself. And I was like, you did. And that's good, Frank. That's a good step. Like, uh, he's, but he's, he's going to be good. He's going to be good, man. He's going to keep getting better. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way he's plateaued offensively. The, the, his, assist, his assist to turnover stuff is getting, like, like today he had he had five assists no turnovers. Uh, I think last game he had six assists no turnovers. Like he's he's like really after that disastrous first game, which apparently sealed sealed him as a total bust. <laughs> this three minute stretch of like a highly competitive opening game against the Spurs. Yeah, Frank, uh, just get in there. Well, <laughs> um, but like he his like I was looking at his. I remember, first of all, people need to stop using fucking assist percentage, which is a bullshit stat. Uh, yeah. Assist per hundred. Possessions, fucking losers. Um, like, <laughs> Assist to usage, even better. Yeah, so, like, I was looking at his today. It'll obviously be better after tonight, but, like, he is at over a 3-to-1 ratio, which is, like, excellent for a primary ball handler. Granted, like, he's not exactly, you know, Steve Nash out here, just, like, getting in the lane constantly, whipping out passes. But, like, you know, for a team that literally, I mean, we've struggled a lot with turnovers. We struggled a lot tonight. We had 16 turnovers. Um, that's a lot of empty possessions in a two-point game. And um, it's pretty valuable to have a primary ball hand that it's just like, there. it's it's very boring. It's very, very boring. And uh, I'm going to use an analogy. Uh, I, I mean, actually, Drew will hate this analogy, but James will be fine with it. Um, so uh, we have all watched the sport of football in our in our lives. Um, Frank is basically like an elite game. He's like a very good game-managing quarterback right now. Like, he's not going to beat you, but he's, like, not going to be whipping around. Like, he's not going to be throwing for, like, 400 yards and four touchdowns and, like, carrying you to victory. This is not going to happen right now. Um, but what he will do is he will get it to guys that can make the difference. Like, he he... He can set those guys up, but he can't make the difference himself right now. But, like, where we are as a team, I don't really 
I mean, the entire thing is, like, we're running the offense like that anyway, so I don't really give a shit that he can because even when Dennis Smith is in there, who theoretically can, we're still, like, running this fucking half-baked offense where Julius Randle and Portis and Gibson, whatever the hell, are just, like, getting post-touches. But, like, you know, a game-managing quarterback, it's just, yeah. like, yeah, these are, it's very, it's... Well, like him versus Julius Randle or even like Marcus Morris, you can see when he, you know, it, when Frank's taking it from the back court of the front court, like he's got his head up. He's seeing the whole floor. He's like reading where everyone is. Like Randle totally has tunnel vision. Like Frank, at least like like a shitty game-managing quarterback, it like is aware of what's going on out there and can like diagnose it properly. He can't then, yeah, like do the most uh, – you know, like, fit the ball into the tightest window into double coverage to do yeah. that, right? Yeah, and, like... he, well, he kind of can, because his passing's really good. So, it's more so, about, like, taking guys off the dribble that he, like, can't do, and, like, shooting, yeah. obviously. Uh, if these guys would just fucking run the floor ahead of him, I feel yeah. like... like I just, Randall just, catches his breath as he takes the ball up the court. Yeah, like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, like, I and he does it on defense, too, which is, like, way more egregious. If, They're both bad, but... If, if you are going to bring the ball up, that's fine. But, like, the entire purpose of him bringing the ball up is so that, like, he... It's like a transition into yeah, the rim. Yeah, like, it's supposed to be, like, a, a, a coast-to-coast yeah. thing. It's not supposed to be, like, come up and be LeBron James. He size him up and, yeah. like, dance on him. What are you doing? <laughs> it dribbled off my dick for the thousandth time. <laughs> like, Frank, I need to take it up the court so I can size it up for 13 seconds, give it to you, then make you give it back to me, and then size it up for 10 more seconds, and then dribble it off my dick. Thanks. See you next game. <laughs> Whatever, oh, don't you dare take me out, though. <laughs> I'll be very, very upset if you take me out. Hold on. I thought I would like him. I wrote that in my season preview. Never listen to me again. I can't, like, I've never been more wrong about just, like, what my vibe would be toward a player. I got some specific things about his game right, but holy crap, is it infuriating watching him play. I I was wrong on Randall as well. I also renounced my mayoral uh, um residency on Randall Island, too, but I also didn't think he was going to be used this way. I just fundamentally yeah, think he was going to be, think like, I didn't really think Fizdale was going to be like, all right, you're going to be LeBron when LeBron was on the Heat. And it's like, oh, that's that's really stupid. But I do have two quick things on Frank, because you mentioned his assist-to-turnover ratio. So I decided to look at players who are playing more than 24 minutes a game right now. And Frank Nilakina is has a 3.35, and I think it's probably going to go up when, uh, you know, from, like, next game. And he has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in the entire NBA in assist-to-turnover ratio. He has a better assist-to-turnover ratio than LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler and Damian Lillard and so forth, and, and Jokic, so. Yeah, does have a tremendously like, lower usage rate. Yeah, he doesn't like Drew saying that he's better than those guys. <laughs> um, no, there's no caveats here. No, don't slander um, me. I'm, I association with this. No, guy. what I'm saying is Frank Nilakina is better than LeBron James. So, well, that I, I know. But the, I'm going to put that out there. That's good. And like but also, if you just kind of look at like who's been winning championships over the past, I don't know, basically since like Jordan, game managing point guards have been primarily, you know. The starting point guard of a team. Other like than you, Steph, other than Steph, like what team has had some like the point guard is never the best player yeah. in a championship team. Other than yeah. Steph, yeah, and Steph is the is pretty much the outlier because of his shooting. Like Detroit, for the Spurs, 
Pistons, baby. Like I said, that, I honestly will. I never count that because the best player on that team was actually Ben Wallace. Uh, Isaiah. Well, like, oh, like, but like that's that's what Drew's saying. That like since Jordan, who has been? Oh, since Jordan, since Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, so, I mean, that's a twenty-five year period. That's like a thirty-year period, basically. Now, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much you know the the point. The person who is like the point guard or running the offense in that type of way is usually a you know just not the primary person. It's usually like a wing player, like a LeBron, like a Jordan, and Kobe. you know for the Spurs, yeah, Kobe for the Spurs, it was. It was Duncan and stuff, but they also had, like, Parker and Ginobili who kind of, like, split those usage situations where they were both, like, running, passing, and they were very egalitarian anyway, but Duncan was the main hub. So, like, the idea that, like, you kind of need that point guard who, like, monopolizes the the ball, I don't, I don't think that's actually a winning <laughs> recipe because it hasn't been since Jordan. Like, it I, makes I think more sense for Frank to be on there. Than I think Frank, Frank needs to be, like, a 14 and 6 assist guy. Like, that's what he needs to be and obviously he get his percentage. So clear, like, so obviously he can get there. Like, yeah, he can definitely like, get like, there. Pretty much. Like, he needs to put up, like, Conley numbers for the most part and just kind of, like, run less, everything. Because Conley got into, like, that, like... I mean, yeah, I guess his... Conley career is, what, like, 17 and 6 or something like that? Well, no, like, there was a point where Conley, like, started his use up going over, but, like, those early years where they were, like, really... Yeah. Grizzlies were really winning. It was just like, all right, Conley's running the offense, playing great defense, and setting guys up, and it was yeah. They just never had a star wing. Yeah, that was the thing. Like that was holding them back. But like that's the that's the type of point guard you really want. It's like Mike Conley as your point guard. To have and someone the, play that great defense in the backcourt is like a huge advantage. If you can keep that guy on the court, that's so important. Like yeah, and, and to be as versatile as he is defensively, like. And to, yeah, and, and to just be like so sharp offensively, it's just such an important type of player to have on your team. Yeah, I mean, it's like always you can slot him in anywhere. You, but you want your wing, you want a wing to be the best player on your team. If that, I feel like that's if anything we know, looking back at like the past thirty years of basketball, it's either like you have the best big man in the NBA or you have the best wing player in the NBA. It's like very, very rarely that it's oh you have the best point guard in the NBA. It's, like, literally just that Golden State team. And even then, they, yes, they won one championship, then they lost the next one to LeBron and the Cavs, and then they signed Maybe KD. Kevin Durant. Yeah, so it's, like, I don't mean, you if you want to argue Steph versus KD, I don't really feel like having that argument. But, like, basically they just had, like, the two of the three best players in the NBA. Of course they were going to win championships. So, yeah, I, I it's, like, uh, to me, just Frank just needs to shoot better and, like, become a little bit more willing to, like, call his own number yeah. or just, like, penetrate. Like, there are times where he turns off, like, he fake uses the screen and then, like, immediately swings it back out. And I'm like, just... just I think Julius just bullies him, basically. He's always deferring to him specifically. Well, that's, you know, that's that's Frank's problem. He's got to get over that. And I think that's good, though. He has to, like... He does. Keep yeah. getting these reps. He's got to keep sure. getting these reps. And, like, at some point, he's got to, like, tell fucking Randall, like, get your fat fucking ass in the corner. Like, it just needs to... Like, he... It, yeah. It's got to have someone who's got right. – I think, I think RJ might do it, though. RJ might really do it pretty soon because he was it, fucking yeah. pissed at Julius in that, in that Spurs game. <laughs> was it the Spurs game? Oh, no, it was the, the, the Philly game. No, it was the Philly game that yeah. that uh he was getting mad at because he was just, again, not good. Like It was kind of funny. The one good game, like the one victory that the uh, the team had this week was against the Cavs, and I – I think we disagreed a bit, Schwinn, on it, but it was just like, I thought Julius Randle was just making shots he normally misses, and he was still playing the same, more or less. But like, yeah, I was more 
I think I think he was taking the same shots, but like I think there's a difference between immediately grabbing and going versus like the sizing up bullshit, which he wasn't doing as much of against the like I I understand to an extent that Fizz has to like lean on Randall because you know for better or worse he is one of the few guys on this team that can create a shot. The problem is like how he's going about that and the fact that Fizz is like leaning into this apparently. Um, totally. You know like. Just because we need you to create Yeah, they need game. him. They're just using him completely. Like, they have no idea what kind of player he is. Yeah, and not only are using him so badly, like, they're, like, leaning into it. Like, no, 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 Julius, like, feed him. We feed believe him in him. Positionless. It's <laughs> positionless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, we've been doing this for a little while now, I'd say, with this podcast. Probably a good point to wrap up unless you guys have some final thoughts at all. Wrap the, this uh, shit up! Uh, no, no thoughts other than, um, yeah, I think, I, I don't think I need to see any more, I don't think anything David Fizdale could do from here on out would really convince me that he's turned a corner. I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it either. I think this would be the perfect time. The next game is like Wednesday. <laughs> this would be the perfect time just to be like, alright, you're done. <laughs> just get him out right now. It just it just makes the most sense. Uh, yeah. J- yeah, James, do you want to plug anything? No, I would. I was just fantasizing like I would love to fire Fizdell myself. Maybe with one of those like the scene like action things from the movies. It's like cut. You're out. That that's <laughs> really what you wanted to say. <laughs> Yeah, it was no, no more breakfast, man. No, in my head it was so funny, and then like as I said it, it was the worst. That's probably the worst thing I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, that was easily. I think it was just fitting. Uh, yeah, I I killed it so much on the rest of this podcast that I had to kind of show people <laughs> that I was human, so they didn't get too down. You know, when you like witness greatness and it's almost depressing because you're like, I could never do that. Um, I had to do that. Uh, no, it was. Uh, thank thank you guys for having me on. A joy, as always. Oh, one, one last thing I just wanted to mention before we uh, get off here, just because, look, we might have lost the battle to the Nets, but I think we won the war. So uh, Berman dropped this little gem <laughs> before, after the game. Uh, apparently, Kyrie told um, he told Kenny, At- and Kat- Kenny Atkinson said this before the game, that Kyrie told me he was going to show up for the game. Uh the funny thing is, he did not show up for the game at all. So, you know, just a normal Kyrie thing. Kyrie being Kyrie. Yeah, He's a great leader. So good. Yeah, they just they He's play really, a lot better. He They play a lot better with him off. <laughs> like, they really do. So they 4-1 now without him? Something like yeah, they, that. They, they, and they just look better. They, like, play like they played last year where, like, the ball actually moves and, like, they're running spread pick and roll and like everybody's touching it and all that shit. Yeah, Kyrie's just like a rich man's Randall. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything at the at the plug. Um there I was supposed but, to have plug your butt. I, I mean I'm gonna do that tonight before I go to bed. <laughs> um I was supposed to have an article last week about the uh, the Mavs games, but there's some editors at the website I work for decided to, I don't know, not run it for whatever reason. So they need to get their crap together at some point, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I am working on a an article that's going to be probably the greatest thing I'm ever going to write, so keeping the expectations pretty low there. 
So, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna write my fire why the Knicks should fire Fizdale thing. I've been holding off on it because he had this nice little stretch for a little bit, but I've seen enough now to feel very definitive about it. So. Well, no, it's also like the it really does confirm everything. Where like he does have these blips where just like oh good he's doing the right thing, and then he just completely reverts back to old tendencies. Like he did that in back to back games, and he's literally like oh here's something that works. We're not gonna do it anymore. Like it's it it is that's what he is, and that's it, that's it. Like we don't need to watch. What, is he going to have, what, like two good weeks of doing it and then go back to old stuff? Like, it's, it ain't worth it. He just needs to go. I think we'll end on that. Fire Fizdale. Good night, guys.